But yeah, like I said, I'm excited to share God's word with you this morning. This is also a aspect of worship. Um, we were just saying just a minute ago that giving is an act of worship. Hearing God's word is an act of worship. And this is one of the central things that we do every Sunday morning is be in God's word and to learn and um, try to grasp what God's word is telling us. So the last several Man, months, it's been a while. We've been in the Tethered series, and we're going to take a break from that. So put the brakes on, er, we're not going to be in Mark, hard right turn, we're going to go somewhere totally different this morning, and I was actually, I, uh, Anthony said, hey, I'd like you to kind of do whatever you would like to do, so buckle your seatbelts this morning, because it's up to me. No. Uh, no, we're going to be in God's Word. Actually, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Galatians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Galatians chapter 6. There will also be the verses up on the screen behind me, but I would just encourage you to grab your Bibles and check that out. I texted Anthony this verse soon after he told me, hey, you can kind of do whatever you want. And this verse was just so punchy as I was reading it. It was just so great, and it was so easy, man. It was just, you know, sometimes you read a verse, and it just jumps right off the page like, wow, this is like super great, super practical. And I also thought that here we are at the beginning of the school year, new school year, we're getting back into the routine of everything, and the craziness of summer is gone, the vacations, the late night up at a friend's house is gone, and here we are, we're buckled back in to the regular routine. And I just thought these verses from Galatians were just so awesome. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Many of you guys know this, but maybe you didn't know this, that I'm pretty new here. Uh, again, my name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And as of August, my family and I will have been here for eight months, which is crazy. And I was talking to Jennifer the other day. I was like, whoa, we're going to hit a year here pretty quick. This is crazy, but it's fun. We've only been here for a little bit of time. Uh, but on the other hand, I've been doing ministry for quite some time now. I've been in ministry for nine years now doing student life ministry. And I've also been married for nine years. So there's a couple aspects of my life that have been going on for a little bit of time. And you know, one of the things that I've had to strive in ministry to learn and to relearn again is just how to keep things fresh and how to keep my passion for student ministry going. Now, we're going to be talking about something that I think will be so useful to you this morning as we, here we are, we're off at the new school year. And what could be some great ideas, what, what, are, what are some great tools that I could put in your toolbox that you could use to accomplish something? Also, in, as a church, we're starting to get back into our normal rigmarole. We have student life starting up this week. Uh, kids life has been going, but we're going to break back off into two services, and all the things that we normally do throughout the, the year are restarting up. Uh, we need volunteers at church. Um, everything is starting back up again. How can we be more effective for Jesus? That's the question that I want to ask this morning. How can you be more effective for Jesus in your walk with him? What are, what's some of the keys that we need? So many times we lose our effectiveness due to one reason or another. And the thing that I'm going to encourage all of us to think about as we jump into these verses this morning is the idea of, and this is one tool in your toolbox that I think is just critical as you strive to follow Jesus and as you start off this new school year, it's this. This is the big idea. Loving for the long term. 
Loving for the long term. So important. That's what we're going to be talking about. I think from Galatians chapter 6, we're going to hear some ideas that will help us battle to strive and to win in Jesus' name. But we have to remember, we have to love for the long term. I'm going to read the verses this morning. It's Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. So just listen along as I read these verses. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows from, or to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. That's our verse for this morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this chance that we can come before you and to sit uh, underneath the teaching of your word. God, I pray that, um, man, I just love this verse. This idea of reaping and sowing. And God, I pray that you would help us to know that everything that we do in our life, whether big or small, we are sowing seeds. And those seeds will reap a harvest, God. Jesus, with all my heart, with all our hearts, we want to sow to your spirit. We want to sow to the things of God. We want to do what you've called us to do on this earth, Jesus. But at the same time, so many times we sow to our flesh and we just, this morning we, we pray that we put those things behind us, Jesus, in your name. That God, that you would free us up, that we could walk in step with who you are. And God, I just pray that you would help us to love for the long term, that we would not grow weary as this verse says, that we would not grow weary in doing good because we know that in due time we'll reap a reward. God, I pray that we wouldn't settle for the little cheap satisfactions that sin can give us in this life, but that we would seek to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for this time. Speak to us through your word. We pray that in your name. Amen. Like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, loving for the long term this morning. Think about that. Loving for the long term as opposed to the short term. Um, from verse 9, this is the last verse. This is where I'm pulling this idea out of. Verse 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In due season. The idea is we need to hang on. We need to push through, we need to persevere until we reap that harvest. Have you often noticed that sometimes it is time, doing something for a long period of time, that can kill the excitement that you've had for something that you've been doing? Uh, I think that this is so true. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe it was a New Year's resolution where you thought, hey, I'm going to do some exercises and you start off really good. But you know what? After you do it for a while, it kind of loses its excitement. It loses its glamour, its newness, right? And then all of a sudden, you fall out of it. Maybe you've had it where you've had a friend say, hey, this is a really cool show or this is a really great book or this is a really cool diet or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, cool. And for a little while, you're hooked. You are on it. This is the greatest thing in the whole world, on the whole planet. And sure enough, after a few months go by, sometimes it's like a few days, right? Okay, let's be honest. But sometimes after a few months, 
the veneer of newness wears off. And then all of a sudden, it hits us, how committed are we to this thing? It's crazy. Time can destroy passion and drive that you once had for a good goal and ambition or a passion you have for us. I don't think you have to look very, very far to see a half-finished project, a person's broken dream, a spoiled marriage, a spoiled child, all because doing something over the long term is extremely difficult. I just have a quick story to share with you. Uh, this is a funny story. A few years back, Jennifer and I, we took on a project, and on where we were living at the time, on the back door, the sun was shining, and all the paint on this back door, it was red door, but it had all bubbled up and cracked, and it just looked bad. And so Jennifer and I thought, you know, we've been looking at this thing for a couple months. We need to, like, repaint it and, like, strip it and make it nice and new. And so we weren't going to buy a new door. We were going to redo this door. And so we're thinking, okay, I watched a couple YouTube videos because you, you can learn so much on YouTube. You can learn everything on YouTube. Uh, amen. Can I get an amen? No. And so I got a chisel, I got this heat gun, you know, to like make the paint bubble up. I had all these different things and we set out to do it. So Jennifer and I thought, hey, this will even be like a cool little date. You know, we'll work on this door for a couple hours and get it all done. This will be great. And we we're both really into it. Well, it didn't take for very long and we started to realize as we took this heat gun and we we're scraping it, this was going to take a long time. This was going to take hours. This was going to take, as we worked at it, we just thought, this is crazy. It took us literally 14 hours this whole day because we wanted to do it right. And we did both sides of the door and we repainted it and everything. And uh, all that to say, soon after, the veneer of the newness wore off. And what I want to say is just like in that story where we took so long to do this door, all of a sudden we were asking ourselves this question, man, is it really worth it? Am I really committed? Am I really going to do this thing that we set out to do? We did it. It was really rough, but we made it through. It took a long time. Just like that, in the same way, God's calling you to do things in your life. God wants you to do many things in your life. He has great plans for your life, but you know what? can happen many times, just like verse 9 says, you can grow weary in doing good. You don't stick it out. You don't love for the long term. And you fall short. And isn't it awesome, if you think about your own life, many times the people that have made the most impact and the ways that you've been affected the most is when somebody loved you for the long term. Wow. That's when the difference is felt. Amen? Loving for the long term. So important. I just want to give you a couple quick stats here. These stats are interesting, and you've heard some of these before. 50% of marriages in the U.S. end in divorce. The average length of a marriage that ends in divorce is eight years. 43% of children growing up today are raised without their fathers. The average time of a worker employed at a particular job, I thought this was interesting, is 4.2 years. And 24% of Americans move every five years. Now, some of those, you know, don't have to do with a lot of things. But I do think it's true that being in one place for a long time, serving for a long time, giving your heart for a long time to see the fruit that God wants to give, 
is hard. So let's jump into these verses, and I really think that these verses can really flush this out, and then we'll give some application at the end. So Galatians chapter 6, you can look there as I read a couple of these. At verse 7, so just to kind of munch through these, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. This verse, it's kind of interesting. It opens up and it says, don't be deceived. I think this is a very interesting way to start it. Because it's saying that you and I take something for granted a lot of times. You and I live as though sometimes we can get away with what we've done in our life. If you look at this, the Bible's saying that anything that you do in your life, whether big or small, whatever it is, you're sowing. In other words, everything that you do in your life, no matter big or small, it has consequences. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Everything has weight. Everything, in everything, the stakes are high. You know, sometimes you might think this is a really small thing, you know, like maybe doing the dishes or something. It's like a small thing. Some of you, amen, it's a big thing. We need some dishes getting washed in here, okay? Anybody? For me, it's bottles, man. I just do so many bottles. It's crazy. It's endless. Do the bottles. Do the bottles. You can't get away with leaving those in there for very long. Woo! It's crazy up in here. It's smelly, stinky. Cottage cheese. <clears throat> Could be a small thing in your life. Something little, like doing your homework, students. Could be something little, like um, communicating with your spouse. Be something little. Or it could be something big. Job decision. A huge, you know, like, uh, everybody's looking, looking at you and are you going to speak the truth? It could be a huge thing, right? Or it could be a little thing. No matter what it is, the stakes are high. And there will be consequences for everything that you do in your life. And here's the thing. What kind of seed are we sowing? And the thing that you're sowing is defined by what you do. The, the kind of seeds and the kind of consequences that you will reap is defined by what you do. If we sin, we're planting a seed, and, I mean, God is not mocked, as that verse says. That seed will bear fruit. Maybe you've known this to be true in your own life, where you've sinned in some way, and one way or another, you reaped the growth the fruit of that sin. The same is also true. Um, if you sow to God, you can bear fruit. Wonderful fruit. Glorious fruit. And man, I would trade all the little crummy, diseased, yucky fruit that I would get from sin for all the awesome sin, uh, fruit that I get from God. Paul wrote the, the book of Galatians, and he knew that our actions, and all of our actions, the stakes, the stakes are so high. He knew this intensely. And he knew this so well, and he saw the constant battle that's warring within us, that, that when we sin, we're throwing out seeds, that they have consequences. He saw this battle going on, this battle between the flesh, our sinful nature, and what God wants to do in our life. The book of Romans, Paul writes an amazing picture, and he also almost writes a similar thing in Galatians. And I just want to compare these two verses, because it is amazing as you read these two. And, and you can tell that it's the same author, because he writes in a very similar way. Romans 7, 
says this. And this has to do with this battle that Paul sees. This battle inside you and me. Romans chapter 7, verses 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it's good. So now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. What's Paul saying here? If you could just leave that verse up for a second. It's this idea that, man, there's this sinful desire that I'm fighting every day that, that I'm alive. And there's these things, these propensities, these general things that I'm drawn to, if I'm honest to. And each and every one of us, if we're honest, we have to admit there are things that we're drawn to. And, and if we give in to those things, it's sin. Man, you can just see the angst. I don't even understand my own actions. Have you ever had that thought before? Man, I can't even understand what it is I'm doing here. I'm sowing these seeds, but I don't want to. I want to do what God's called me to do. I want to follow God's commands. And he ends this verse by saying, so now it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. It's this old man. It's this old thing that hangs on me still, even though I'm saved, even though I'm a Christian. I, I just love that picture. Now, when you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and it lives inside of you. One thing that the Holy Spirit does is it convicts of sin. And so when I first became a Christian, I began sweating even the small things because the stakes are high. Um, I remember, you know, I, I could give lots of different examples of these. One of them that I give that I like to share is that one day I was praying, praying with Jesus and I had a collection of games, you know, uh, video games. And I just felt convicted by the Holy Spirit. I was just like, God, I'm just spending way too much time on these video games. It's consuming me. That's all I think about. And it struck me to the heart. And so I remember going home one day after school and I literally took all these video games, and I, it's back when you had physical discs, okay? I know, you teenagers, you just download stuff, okay? You just have to take your whole thing out and smash it. But I snapped, like, all these discs, and it was like, later I thought, I probably should have brought these to the last stop CD shop and pawned them off, you know? Made a little bit of money, you know? But I just felt, man, I started to sweat the little things. I started sweating things like sexual purity. I started sweating things like lying to my parents sometimes because I, I realize that when I sin, I'm sowing seeds and that I want to follow Jesus with my life. I want to take this thing called having a relationship with Jesus, I want to take this seriously. It doesn't matter if it's a small sin. All sins are huge in God's sight. They separate us from God. That's the whole reason why Jesus died on the cross. Same is true with pursuing God. Now, just like it's true, the sinful nature, um, one more thing that I'd like to say about the sinful nature, it doesn't take much for your sinful nature to start going, if you know what I'm saying. It just takes a little bit of sowing a seed. It just takes a little bit of entertaining the thought. It just takes a little bit of this, and then all of a sudden, it takes you. The same is true also with pursuing God. That's the other side of this verse. You can sow to the flesh, the flesh, that word, it means, it can mean um, the body, your own self. It also talks about the sinful nature. There's, you can sow to the flesh. 
But then also, you can sow to the Spirit. You can sow to God. Sowing to the Spirit, you can really do some awesome things with God's help and with you seeking and planning to do it just by sowing seeds. I've heard so many stories, and I'm sure you've heard stories too, where somebody planted a seed in your life way back when they said something about Jesus to you, and later it clicked. That's amazing. Or maybe it's this gnawing thing. You know, God uses seeds. Sometimes we don't see the initial growth and the the fruit, right? Sometimes we want to see the fruit of our spiritual uh, sowing happen right now. We want to see it right now. But a lot of times, we're just called to be faithful and to sow those seeds. Maybe it's in our kids' lives. Maybe it's in our spouse's life. Maybe it's in our friend's life. We're just called to sow the seed and to be faithful and to make a difference for Jesus, to speak up for him. The one who sows to the flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. I love that. You know, there's this aspect that we're not saved by the things that we do. But I just think the wording of this is very interesting. Some of the stuff, man, this is like my nerdy dorkiness. You need a nerd in your life, okay? Let me say this. You need a nerd in your life. I'll be the nerd in your life. Okay, check this out. The one who sows from the Spirit will from the Spirit reap corruption. Is it saying that you're saved by the things that you do? No. But when, when I come to Jesus and I ask for forgiveness, something happens where I'm already forgiven, but I'm not yet totally perfect. And that there's this already not yet thing where I'm saved, but I'm not perfect. It's already, but not yet have you, have you guys heard that term before? It's already, I'm already saved, but I'm not yet totally conformed to the image of God. There's so many aspects that are really cool to think of it like this. But also it's true, as I sow and as I work out my faith, it's a not yet, but that comes to meet me. I reap eternal life in the end. I just love how it phrases that kind of terminology. Now, I talked about this Romans passage, and I want to give you the other side of this. This is from earlier in Galatians, and it says very similar things. Remember that passage we just read, uh, Paul battling within himself? Here we are in Galatians, and he almost says the same things, but he adds it in a little different flavor. Check this out. Galatians. Start, uh, this is uh, just a little bit earlier on in the book. But I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. There's a similar wording. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other. And if you keep doing, wait, wait, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. For the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, patientness. Man, I would love to break these down. The fruit of the Spirit, this is a famous passage of Scripture, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you this question. What seeds are you sowing right now? How would you answer that question? With your life, maybe it's time at home, with your free time, your time with your family, your time at work, how are you sowing seeds right now? What would you say? Maybe it's a mixed batch. I'm sure that's true in almost all of our life. Focus in. You know, it's so true. So many times the Holy Spirit in my life, it's like he puts his finger on something. I try to ignore it. Oh, God, I don't want to talk about that thing. What is God telling you? How is God speaking to you with his Holy Spirit? What is he placing on your conscience? What are you sowing right now? I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, ask the question, what are you sowing right now? Go ahead and do that. It's a good question. It's a good question. What are you sowing right now with your life? Is it, is it personal holiness? Is it growth, advancement of God's kingdom? Now, I want to hit up this last verse. Man, there's so many times we're taken down in our Christian walk. There's so many times that God gives us victory. Let's talk about loving for the long term. Let's look at verse 9 in our passage. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You know, this is where time comes in. This is where over the long term comes in. And uh, it's pretty vague. It uses the word in due season. When I read this, I don't like that word. I don't like that. It's too vague. In due season. Come on, God. Aren't you going to spell it out a little bit? Aren't you going to say, hey, Eric, if you really plug away at this for two months, you're going to reap a reward. It's going to be awesome. It doesn't say that. It just says in due season. Uh, It could take a month. It could take a year. Sometimes it could take a lifetime to produce certain kinds of fruit that produce a harvest. I think raising godly kids is one of those. It takes 18 years of hard work, and some people have told me it takes a lifetime to raise godly kids. I just love that picture because you just pour into them over and over again. You can't do it over the short term. It's got to be Your whole life you give to your kids. Think about that. Now think about all the ways that God calls us to be holy and all the ways we just say, oh God, I'll just give you a couple minutes. You'll never do it. You'll never make it. You'll never see that harvest. You know why? Because you're going to do it for just a short amount of time. God is calling you to something bigger, to something harder, to something more glorious, loving for the long term. There are some different things that you can plant in your life. Self-control, humility. These are some things from that verse. Love, sacrifice, hard work, growth in knowledge, prayer, serving in ministry at church, telling somebody about Jesus, being a godly example. Here's some average things. Brushing your teeth, but it's a discipline. Cleaning your house. Again, raising godly kids. I love Deuteronomy chapter 6 for you parents in the room. Just just put this banner over your house just so that you remember it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it's a famous passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what does it say? These things shall be on, on your minds. You will teach them to your children. You'll talk about them when you rise up, when you lay down, when you walk along the, the way. And then it even says you'll bind them on your foreheads and on your hands. And you'll put them on, door, on the doorposts of your house. So important. We have to love for the long term, not the short term. What are you sowing right now? What is it do you think you'll reap if, you're hard, if, if you continue sowing this way? Think about it with a particular sin in your life. If you, if you keep sowing that way, what, what do you think you're going to harvest? Sometimes, some of us have gotten smacked in the face a couple times, and afterwards you have to ask yourself this question, what did I think I was going to harvest from that? You didn't think it through. Just blinded by the flesh and, and your own desires, your bodily wants and needs. And then there's the danger. This is the danger, okay? As we battle to follow Jesus, as we battle to, to throw out those seeds, as we battle for the people in our lives, as we battle for the souls of people, literally the eternal destiny, as we battle for that, these stakes are so high, there's a danger there's a danger, and I want you to hear this. This is the last part of this passage. It says this. Let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season. What's, what's the warning? Let us not grow weary. Don't grow weary. Did you know it's true? Christian, you'll be so sorely tempted to grow weary. Whether it's a distraction or whether it's just the battle itself, you will be tempted and you will be, there'll be all sorts of exit doors, what I'm trying to say. Don't use those exit doors. Be like Jesus. He had a lot of exit doors. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed and he asked, God, please take this cup from me. I don't want to do it. Did Jesus love for the short term? He didn't. He loved for the long term. And he went right into the teeth of the enemy. Just literally, just think about that. And then we think about our own lives and how quickly we fall short, how quickly we lose our heart, how quickly we turn back from what God's called us to do in our life. Shame on us. But at the same time, think about the fruit. Think about the fruit that God wants you to do. One of the things that I do is I tell my, my kids Bible stories every night before I go to bed. I'm just like, man, I just want to plant this fruit in their life because I just have this image of them following Jesus after they leave my house. I just have this image that I just want them to follow Jesus. I don't want them to not know him and to be separated from him. And I see that, and I don't want that, and I see this fruit in my mind, and I want my kids to have that So I sow, and I sow, and I sow, and I sow, and I love for the long term. And I want to ask you this. God's calling you in this room and every believer that's in this church to love for the long term. There's a verse. I just want to give you a couple quick applications here as we close. You might want to write these down. These are cool little 
things that if you're thinking, okay, I want to love for the long term, what are some practical ways that I could love for the long term? Here they are. Boom, boom, boom. Three quick points. Man, I want to love for the long term. What are some three quick ways that I can walk this out? First one is. First one is know your role and love it. Know your role and love it. We all have roles in our life. We all have things that God's called us to do. And sometimes it's hard to appreciate the thing that God's called you to do. Actually, a better phrase is not maybe know your role and love it. It's know your role and embrace it. Know your role and embrace it. I have a quick story to share with you. Uh, this is an older story. Jennifer, uh, Jennifer and I, growing up, we were in several different productions in a local theater. And, you know, having to get up in front of people and, you know, whether it's a musical uh, play or whatever, this one that she really wanted to do was called Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. How many of you guys have seen Beauty and the Beast? Okay, probably everybody in the room. I don't even know why I asked that question, but Beauty and the Beast. And what did she, as she was trying out, what did she want to do? What part did she want? Of course, she wanted the role of Belle in the story. You know the story very well. There is this woman, and she's not like all the other ladies. She is smart and intelligent and, you know, wants to make her way in the world. And her dad is a traitor or whatever. And not traitor like a... He goes and buys and sells, not traitor. <laughs> um, but she wanted to be Belle. You know, the golden dress and everything. Lots of lines. The main role in the play. Well, she goes and she uh, auditions in front of the director and stuff. Has to sing a couple lines. And she has to wait. They waited about a week. And then they posted the results. So she was so excited. She's like, I'm going to get Belle. I'm going to... I'm going to be Belle in the play. I'm so excited. And so she goes up to where it says, hey, this is the role that you get. And she was looking, oh, oh, it's not Belle. What role did I get? And she looked, she looked, holy cow, where am I? And she got, and she's, and her mouth hit the floor. What? You'll never guess what she was. She was a napkin. <laughs> she was a napkin. You know that part in Beauty and the Beast where they sing, be my guest, and it's all the forks and the... She was a napkin, like, be our guest, be our guest. Dun, 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 dun. She's just dancing up here. Now, you know what's funny about that? She was extremely disappointed with the role that was given to her. She was upset. For a while, she didn't even want to come to practice. But in due time, she kept working on it. She kept doing her role. And in due time, she actually started to appreciate it. And after a while, she actually came to embrace it. And it was amazing because by the time the production was done, she had such a great time. She had such a great experience. She had a wonderful group of friends now, all because she actually embraced her role. And she was an awesome napkin. She was great. It was awesome. Amen? Amen? Let me ask you this question. Are you despising the role that God's given you? Are you despising the role? Maybe as a, a student, you have parents above you. You're supposed to honor them. Maybe you despise that role. Despise the role of being a, a child. I, I don't want to listen to my parents. Maybe you're a husband, and God's called you to do many things as a husband. 
Maybe in some ways, if you're honest, you don't really appreciate. You just don't, just don't want to make time for all that responsibility sometimes. Think about your role that God's given you. Maybe it's a temporary role. Maybe it's a huge, if you're, if you're a husband, God wants you to do so much. He's placed you in a critical role, husbands, to love your wives, to disciple your children. Wives, God has placed you in a wonderful role. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God's placed you there for. Don't miss what God's called you to. Don't miss it. Don't despise it. Don't give in to sin. Don't let him steal your joy. What's your role? Embrace it. Number two. So the first one is, how do you love for the long term? Embrace your role that God's given you. The second one is, be ready to stand alone. Be ready to stand alone. What's God calling you to do? Maybe this morning, you, maybe you're like, yeah, Eric, okay, God's called me to do some things. I put them on the back burner. I need to do this. Well, just know, other people around you might not see what God's doing, all right? They're like, what? What are you trying to do? There's so many times where I'm like, you know, everybody's just, you know, doing football practice. And then you come in and you're like, hey, guys, before the game, let's pray. And they're like, what? You're going this way? It's like, ugh. You're jerking. You're like, what? This is crazy. This is so different. You want to go here? What? But we're all going here. We're just talking about fantasy football or whatever. You want to do this? Other people might not understand. They may not get what God's called you to do, what God's putting on your conscience to do. Know that. Sometimes we need to be a little bit disagreeable. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. We want to put our foot forward. We don't want to always... There's nuance to this, obviously. In some ways, you do need to submit to authorities and things like that. But check this out. There's a degree. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into what God's called me to do. I'm going to do this. And, you know, if you think, uh, you know, if you're going to, uh, you know, bring your spouse along for the ride, don't be too crazy to them, you know. Bring them along for the ride, you know. <laughs> don't just be like, punch them in the face for the Bible. You've never read to our kids in the last three months. You're terrible. Don't give them that. Be nice. Be nice. You know, walk alongside them. Be like, hey, I've got this idea. And, and go ahead. Go for it. Do what God's called you to do. Know your role and embrace it. Be ready to stand alone. And the last one is, think to live, think to win over the long term. Think to win over the long term. What are some practical steps? What are some next steps that you can do right now, next week, to do what God's called you to do? Don't make them huge. Don't make them crazy, right? Don't be like, hey, I'm going to read the whole Bible next week. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that. But what's the next step? What's a practical next step that you can seek to, li- to, to love for the long term? Be practical. There are many things that can reward you in the short term. This is, this is also very important. There are many things that you can reward you for the short term, short term gratification. But we need to be more long term in our fo- focus. We need to to put aside the things that give us short-term gratification and instead turn to the things that give us long-term gratification. So know your role and love it. Know your role and embrace it. Be ready to stand alone and think to win over the long term. The last thing that I want to tell you is this. 
This is a verse from 2 Peter. It says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what's cool? You know what the Bible says? That God's our example in loving for the long term. Isn't it true? God himself is an example. Look to God's example. Look to Jesus' life. He lived the perfect life, the life that we couldn't live. And just as I said earlier, he didn't turn back. He didn't love for the long term. He loved his disciples to the end. He washed their feet. He set them on a good path. He loved for the long term. Think about your own walk with Jesus. Man, I look back on my life. If, if God would have loved me over the short term, I would have fallen away many years ago. But isn't it true that God has walked beside you for every year of your life, even though you didn't realize that God was walking right beside you, and even though you weren't even aware of it, God was trying to get your attention. God loves for the long term. And you know what will get you through the hard times? You know what will stop you from being Become, be, be, blah, 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 becoming weary of doing good. You know what's going to stop that from happening? When you think of God and the wonderful things that he's done in your life. He loves you, church. God loves you so much. He's given everything for you. Let's go. Let's, let's make a difference. Let's have soft hearts for people, but have tough skin that we can do what God's called us to do and love for the long term. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for who you are, Jesus. I thank you that you love us. Oh, you love us. God, I pray that you would help us to appreciate again the cross and the amazingness that happened there. God, that you, um, even though we were separated, even though we were enemies, God, you died for us. Even though while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's an amazing truth. God, I pray that we would count the cost and that we would see that, man, it is so awesome to live for you. It is so awesome to walk with you. It is so awesome to see the fruit. And I can testify, God, I've seen the awesome fruit that you've done in my life that uh, the people that I've reached out to, I want more of that, God. We declare this morning, we want more of that in your name, Jesus. And God, the last thing is, we just put aside anything that would hinder us. We just surrender fully, God. Any roadblock, anything that's standing in our way, anything that we're sowing that's going to bear some ugly fruit, God, we just joyously put that off. And we look to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.